Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, I'm in Atlanta. Hey, wings. Wings. Oh, wings. Wings. You know that's my food. Right after pork chops, I love me some wings, so have some for me. Uh, let's get something out of the way. Uh, first of all, I'm not having any wings. Um, I'm really in a good groove of my diet. Thank you for trying to throw me off track. I'm, I'm, oh. can, I tell, can, can I tell y'all something real quick? Make me feel bad. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you guys. This time next year, I'm going to be like Brian. I'm lifting so hard. Good. Like, I'm going. I'm, I'm in there, man. I'm doing. I might be the fattest nigga who can plank <laughs> in the whole gym. I might be the best fat nigga at planks. How long? In all of LA. How long you got? I can hold, yo, I can do, not only can I hold a plank for a minute and a half, right? Okay. Damn. But I can do the planks where they take the Viper, you know, like the, you know what the, the Viper thing, the, uh, the little, it's like a circle with handles on it at the gym. It's like a circle with handles on it. And you hold it like this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what yeah. you're So I can do the planks for a minute where they put the Viper under me. And I, one hand, I move it, and I move it, oh, and I move it. Oh, I can do the tap my shoulders. Man, oh. I'm hashtag fat strong, baby. Fat I'm in there strong. Doing, uh, like, I'm in there, like, I got respect from Shannon Sharp. <laughs> I got respect from uh, Magic Johnson. I'm feeling good working out. That's what's up. I'm proud of you. We have somebody new. Jump on now, Ashley. Hey. No, no, no. Face. Uh, turn Full your on. on. Face. Turn your camera on. Face. Welcome. Hey. Us. What's, What's up? What's you? So, uh, <laughs> Ashley's our new producer here on Higher Learning today. Yes. Um, Ashley is from... Dude, why, why, why would I... You, what, tell everybody about yourself. I'm from Denver. Native uh-huh. here. Born and raised. One of the few. Um, new podcast producer here. Uh trying to come through to LA as much as I can to hang out with you guys. Um, yeah. We'll see. Good. Cause Donnie never does. Donnie never <laughs> so that'd be good. That you're already, you're already one up. Okay. You go, Look, Ben you, is in Atlanta right now. <laughs> Shut up, and, Donnie. And won't come see you. And won't come see you, Donnie. You're right. Call him out. Uh, let me ask you something, Ashley. Uh, where'd you go to college? I went to college in Oxford, England. Yeah. Tell yeah. the people, talk your shit, black lady. <laughs> Oxford, like she, English. <laughs> Oxford English. She went to Oxford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went to Oxford. We don't have no <laughs> ITT techians in this. Uh, first, uh, shout out to everybody that went to ITT Tech. That was so classic. Yeah, was so wow. Yeah. I, um, Ashley, stay on real quick. Have I ever told you guys my ITT Tech story real quick? So my cousin got out of jail. And his mother was like, you promised that you would go to ITT Tech when you got out of jail and that you would uh, you would go there and then you would make something better of yourself. So this nigga like, damn, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to hustle, get back on my hustle or whatever, whatever. She want me to go to ITT Tech. Yeah. I got to go to ITT Tech, whatever. So there's like this orientation little class that you do. It's a technical college in Baton Rouge, a little orient- orientation class that you do. So I went with him. I'm maybe like 14. He's maybe like 21. And they should have used this as an ITT Tech commercial. Is it ITT Tech or DeVry? 
I can't remember. But you, they should, they should, if it's, it's either one of them, I can't remember. They should use it as a commercial. Let me tell you how. Because when you go there and you do the little orientation, they make you like put together, they make you do something technical. They like to give you this little board and they make you like solder this little thing. And then at the end of it, you press this little button and your LED light lights up. Like you build a little light. It's very easy to do. Uh-oh. But they say, hey, this is kind of what we're going to be doing here. You're going to learn how to do stuff. It Obviously, everybody in the class made their little thing light up. Everyone did. Everyone did. Everyone made their little thing light up. Mm-hmm. When this nigga made his shit light up, he thought he was fucking Nikola Tesla. Like, you could, it, it was so inspiring. He was, like, moved. He felt like he had invented fucking fire. Guess what he does now? That's what my cousin does now. What? He's an electrician. He went on and he finished at the technical college. I can't remember which one it was now. He finished at the college. He never spent another fucking minute in jail. Mm. He found his calling. And now he is the guy that knows everything about electricity. As a matter of fact, if I ever build a house, I'm going to have him come out here and put the electric stuff in there. So that's a story about... Technical college has nothing to do with you. Once again, I have nothing. Yeah. I love that story. But it was happy ending. Like, yeah, it was a good happy ending. You do not have to lie to I kick love it. Happy now, let me endings. ask you. Y'all remember that commercial? commercial? Yes. Was it the Everest. guy who was yelling at you and he was like, Why are you it's sitting Everest. on the couch? Why are you sitting on the couch? Get, get up. You know, my question is, where is that motherfucker now? I need to see where what he's he? doing. Because I want him on the podcast. I absolutely want him on the podcast. I want him on the podcast. Find the guy from Everest. (laughs) Ashley, your first task, Mm -hmm. find that guy, your first mission, if you so choose it, Mm -hmm. is to find him. So when you went to Oxford, were there other uh, Negro Americans or blacks of any kind there? I met two. Two blacks? Yeah, Mm. from Colorado, weirdly enough. And you guys were all ladies? Yes. And I was walking Mm. past, I was walking past them and I heard their accent. I was like, oh, Hello. Nick, you were like, oh my God, niggers. And you just <laughs> yeah. turned around and you ran over there. Uh, so, basically. So like out of how many? Two out of how many? Mm, uh thousands. Thousands. Yeah. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you guys start a singing group? So it was like the third day, and they had to go somewhere. I had to go somewhere, and I never saw them again. So I have no idea where they went. So hmm. wherever you are. Ashley. Thinking about yeah. Singing group? <laughs> That's like a real story. That could be like pitch perfect Oxford. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So did you make friends at Oxford? I did. I did. Uh, you know, it took a second, but yeah. Cockazoids? Uh yeah. Yeah. So well, like what you're spicy. To tell me, spicy ones from Europe. S- spicy. So you what you're telling me is that Yes. You saw two black ladies, you let them pass. Yes. But as saw as soon as you saw Becky, Amy, Savannah, you were like, mm-hmm. I got to move to the next level in life. So these are the friends I got to make in Oxford. <laughs> well, they're more like Elizabeth, Kate, because they're British. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley can hang. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, right. <laughs> you're, you're, we're going to be getting deep, deep into your personal life um, and the things that, that you like. Mm-hmm. And I'll do my best, Ashley. I'll do my best. <laughs> hopefully, okay. hopefully, you know, hopefully you get on here and you embarrass yourself. That's that's the way that we do it. Here OK, on, on the then I'm going to do great then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Ashley, everybody. 
Woo! That's Ashley. All Woo! right. Um, it's been quite a day, Rachel. Has it for you? I mean, not really for me. Well, it was kind of quite a day for me. Um, so I took the red eye out last night. Oh. Because I got to do some stuff while I'm here in Atlanta. So I took the red eye and I had the middle seat. Whoa. Whoa. Were you flown yeah. out? Uh, yes. See, here's the thing. Where's the Ronde? I w- wait, 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 wait. But here's the thing. It was a late one. And there was nothing in first class. There was only one left in, in Comfort Plus, and it was a middle seat. And I didn't want to sit kind of in the back of the plane. So it was kind of like my decision. Okay? It's kind of like my decision. I didn't want to sit in the back of the plane. So it's like, you. I'd rather be in Comfort Plus. I might have had the most uncomfortable flight I've ever had before in my life. First of all, I bought this thing from Amazon, which is like this, it's supposed to be this uh, this inflatable pillow that you can put your head in wait wait so you put your head up. in in the front not in the yeah. back okay you put your head in like this and you like and you hold on to it <laughs> i looked like the biggest fucking idiot in the history of aviation so you got pictures <laughs> no i didn't I, I threw that motherfucker away when i got off the plane <laughs> like, it, it, like it, look i looked so so i sit down and it, it, I sit down, Donnie. Pull up a picture of this inflatable thing. Up. Like it, it's an inflatable pillow that you you blow it up, and then you hold it. You put your arms in it, and you put your face in it. Right, you put your face in the in the in the. There's a little hole in the top of it. And you put your face in it. Right, and and it's supposed to like hold you up so you could go to sleep. I thought that's gonna work since. <laughs> no, you've seen it. This is- Look, turn around. Let me see. Wait, yeah, this cool. is not it. This can't be. Hold on. Let me me get a bigger picture. This can't be it. This can't be it. That's it. No. That's the thing. (laughs) Okay, hold on. I'm making my background. (laughs) That's the thing. There's a picture of somebody. (laughs) Y'all, please turn on the video right now. There's a picture of somebody doing it. And I can't believe believe you flew like this. This is your own fault. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It it just, it's like, (laughs) you I'm not gonna be so, able to concentrate the whole podcast. Yeah, that's the, the thing. So, so, so first of all, let me tell you how this goes. I get on the plane. I get on the plane, and I sit down. Two people, they're nice, left and right. They're a couple. They're taking the aisle seats because I'm in the middle. In the middle, right? There's three in the middle. They're mm-hmm. taking the aisle seats, so they left the one in the middle to whatever plebeian was going to come in there and sit down in the middle seat. <laughs> okay. I'm tell- they, they, like, they ask me, they go, okay, what are you there? What, what are you going out to Atlanta for? They're Southerners. And I go, oh, I'm going to watch LSU play in the national championship game. And they go, huh? And I'm like, what? In the <laughs> SEC championship game, they go, huh? I go, what? They go, well, we're Alabama fans. And I look over at the guy. He's in full crimson and white. So, okay. so it's, it's fucked up from right then, right? Because now I had a rapport with these people, but now I got to say something smart. I have to say something smart. Okay. Uh, so I, I looked at him. I go, tough break, man. Maybe you guys can try again next year. He's like, try again? Huh. <laughs> Beat y'all like eight years in a row. I'm like, well, it's not eight years in a row. <laughs> it's this year. You know what I mean? Two-point conversion. Mason Taylor. Shout out Joy, Jason, and the whole Taylor family. Okay. Um. And so now that he's a little perturbed, I'm fucking with him. I had to do right. it. So, but this is the thing. 
you can't you don't bring the thing on there inflated. You gotta blow it up oh while gosh. you're on the plane. <laughs> okay. So you get there and you gotta sit down and this is <laughs> Your head goes into the little thing at the top. Okay. Your head goes into the little thing at the top. You put your arms in the middle of it. Right. And then you you you're like this. Okay. You're like this. And you you, you and, and you, you you try to sleep. So I pull out I it, it comes with a little carrying case. So I take it out of the carrying case and I'm blowing it up. And the stewardess right away comes over to my seat. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this is an inflatable pillow. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, what the fuck? And and what? What were you gonna say? No, Rachel? I mean, I would have been a little nervous too. What are you doing? That's not normal behavior. People so the don't guy do next that. To me, the guy next to me goes, "Is that gonna take long?" And I'm like, actually, I don't know. Fucking gump. <laughs> I don't know fucking how long this is going to take. So I blow it up. I put on Interstellar because the Hans Zimmer Cornfield soundtrack puts me to sleep. Okay. So we're in the air now. I'm hugged over in the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my head in the little the the the, the little deal. Um and, and the whole nine, you know what I mean? And what happens? The fucking thing runs out of air. I wake up, <laughs> back hurting. There's a leak in the air thing. I, I looked over. I'm crunched over. That's how That's how you're supposed to be in it. That's how you're supposed to be. I couldn't get it to work. That's how you're supposed to be there. I couldn't get it to work. So, 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 so <laughs> I got to watch. I got to see. That's how you're supposed to use it. That's how you're supposed to use it. I couldn't get it to work. And so, and so, now I got this thing right. It's half inflated. I'm the, the it, it like it's, it's like it's like the 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 row is super tight. Even though we're in Comfort Plus, it's still like I, it's not used to what I've been flying. You know, I've been flying. I haven't flown this way in a while. You know, so it's still like taking up mad space, and people are getting grumpy. Like people, yeah, people I would have been grumpy. upset too. People are getting grumpy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, I, and I can't get comfortable. It's 11 o'clock and I still haven't been asleep. Like, I can't get comfortable. I could not fall asleep. So I had a very rough flight. Then I get in here and in booking it, I forgot that you can't check in to your hotel at like 7 in the morning. You know what I mean? So I'm here. The hotel is very nice. Like, I'm here. You can't check into your hotel at, like, 7 in the morning. Uh, and it took a guy coming, like, hey, yeah, I know him. Nah, we'll find him a room. We'll find him a room. I'm like, fuck. And I came in here, and I I, 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 tried, I tried to sleep, tried my best to go to sleep. You know, Bozeman had to go to the vet this morning. It was stressing me I out. No, because Kalika yeah. and I were supposed to do something today. Um, yeah. Bozeman's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Copper had a similar issue. I was trying to tell her about it. Listen. I don't know who in their right mind would see this and press purchase on Amazon. I don't know how you thought this would become. First of all, she looks like she's suffocating. Suffocating. Is there an opening where she can breathe? There's an opening. There's an opening in it. But like, I thought it made a lot of sense because when I when I sleep on a plane, I normally sleep with my head 
if I'm going to sleep and I'm not, if I don't have the lie flat seats, when I've slept in, it, I either sleep with my head on the window or I sleep with my head on the seat in front of me. So like I sleep like that. I can't sleep going back when I'm on the plane. So I thought that that would work. It was I I wrestled with that thing for at least an hour. It doesn't look comfortable at all. I these need to be banned, and I feel like they will be <laughs> on a no fly list very soon. This is the van. This is so funny. So it's in the room with you still. Or no, you said I you threw, threw it away. away. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I got off the plane. I was so. And then I got off the plane. So I'm, I'm I stand up on the plane. I'm all disheveled. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I, I maybe maybe doze off for like one second. I got one ear pod in my ear. I can't find my other ear pod. That's Everybody has to exit the whole plane till I find my other ear pod. It's just, it was just like a, at least the flight was smooth. Anyway. I can't stop laughing. So like now I- I'm here. I well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad with, you're here. I hope you got a little bit of a nap. I'm glad. I got to do stuff with LSU and figure it out. Wait, it is like, that what you're there for, really, to do stuff with LSU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do stuff with LSU. So LSU and, um, flew you in a middle seat. Texas would never. It's not LSU, technically. Technically, it's an organization. It's an organization. And by the way, I made the decision late. How's that sound? I made the decision like late. an excuse. Well, well, how about this? Let me tell you what it is. You know why Texas would never have to do that? Because money bags Texas Longhorns, <laughs> one billion dollar endowment, they would just send the PJ out. Actually, more than a billion, what ten billion or something like that. They would just send the PJ out. Send the P. No, y'all definitely got more money than us. Definitely, I, that's for sure. I was recently nominated for. And I'm hoping I get it for outstanding alum under what, 40 for the, uh, for, at Texas. The, uh, Hope I the get NAACP it. The NAACP Image Awards? No. For, at the University of Texas. Mm. So you wouldn't, <laughs> so, you wouldn't so, accept so. the Image Awards? Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> it's, it's they don't even have, that's not even an award. That's not. <laughs> even an award. Don't do me. Don't do me. I hope your day gets better. That is cool. So you're going to the game? Yeah, I'm going to the game. That's that's. I'm jealous. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Is that the is that the Mercedes Benz? Mercedes Benz. I've never been in there before. Oh, you'll like it. It's it feels yeah. like unlike SoFi or even Cowboys Stadium, it feels like a a real stadium. Interesting. Yeah, you'll like it. Let's look up the University of Texas Endowment real quick. We do, we do sure. we do. I'd say twice a year we do this. Really? Yes, you've done this before because you compared it, it to Southerns. Let's do it again. <laughs> Never tell you about the time. I told you about the time Van Jones got mad at me because I made a video. He was very upset. And I was just Oh, that video about was amazing. Yeah, man. Um Okay, let me get guys, this. Guys, I'm gonna let y'all I'm gonna let y'all I'm gonna let y'all know. Uh this is a lot of bullshit in the show today. <laughs> it is. Yeah, some of it I'm just like, I don't even know how I could talk about it. But we're gonna God try. We're gonna try. Damn! Did I say a billion? It's $42.9 billion. Fuck. Y'all got it. Nah, bro. Y'all got to get. Nah, bro. Y'all got to play reparations, dog. I, 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 we did this before. I'm sure we've done it before. I don't $42 it billion. Being that dollars. Much. I think it increased. $42 billion, bro. Y'all got to play reparations. We had a better football year. Also, basketball right. team's number two right now. Oh, they balling. 
Oh, them niggas hooping. No doubt so, about it. They got to get some. That only increases the endowment. Right. All right. Um, the big deal of the day, it was kind of a tie between two big stars. You know what? Let's actually start with LeBron on the other side of it. How about okay. that? We'll start right. with LeBron. Let's start with LeBron. LeBron James, after a Laker victory, don't look now. The Lakers are playing better. Hmm. What are they now? They're still well below 500, (laughs) but they're competing in every single game and finding their stride, maybe? Yes. Um, Stand in what you're saying. Stand in it. Yes, it's true. Uh, Okay, so the Lakers beat the Trailblazers 128-109. to LeBron James had a fantastic game. And after the game, he wanted to address what he thought was some hypocrisy in the media. This is what LeBron had to say. I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo and i know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes i get it but it seemed like it's just been buried under like oh it happened okay we just we just move on and i was just kind of disappointed i haven't received that question from you guys appreciate it rachel um i don't i am not well versed in the things that LeBron has been asked in post-games, post-game press conferences. Um, obviously, I think that things that were related to basketball, there's no question he would be asked about. Controversies, things he's done, said, whatever, involving other players, mm-hmm. other teams. Without a doubt, he would be asked those questions. I don't know if he's asked about other social justice issues that aren't related to not even social justice, but just like other issues involving that affect black people in post-game press conferences. I don't know. So I'm not even saying, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm admitting I have no idea. I don't know if as an interviewer, I would have, it would have, maybe it would have crossed my mind, but I don't know if I would have asked LeBron James that question. And I was I'm glad he addressed it and I'm glad he answered the question. And surely I, as somebody who's extremely influential in sports and arguably one of the greatest basketball players, 
I would want to hear his opinion and he does use his platform to speak out, but I don't know, dare I say fair for him to say, hold on, I'm trying to figure out why nobody's asked me this question. It's about a football team, Jerry Jones. I don't really, it doesn't really relate to me. So I wasn't shocked that nobody asked him that question, even though I was glad to hear his opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And people might be upset with that, but I don't think it was really fair for him to say it, to be honest with mm. you. It wasn't yeah. really relevant to him. Mm. It is, yes, black people, yes, it is. I shouldn't say it's not relevant to him. It's just not necessarily mm. a relevant question after a post-game, uh, post-game conference for an NBA game. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I love LeBron James. LeBron James knows us. This is one of the savviest things I've seen an athlete do in a long, long time. Why? LeBron just flopped. This was a <laughs> mental. LeBron flopped. LeBron, like this was a this was an actual flop. LeBron, you know how you, you you like you barely get touched on the court. You're like ah, you flopped. LeBron flopped. He just flopped in that press conference. And it was the right thing to do. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it was. When people flop on the court. I agree. It was a flop. When people flop on the court, it's not like they not. They're trying to get the call. They're trying to help their team. They're trying to help their team. A <laughs> flop might be weird in the the grand scheme of the competition, but for your team, a flop is good. LeBron just flopped for us. He just took a charge. He know damn well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, this is what LeBron did. LeBron wanted to talk about. He that wanted issue. to talk about it. Yes. And and he wanted to hold the media accountable for the way the media portrays black issues for the way the the media has treated this Jerry Jones situation sure for all of that he wanted an excuse to do that so he took a charge he flopped he flopped if you if we wanted to intellectually break this down there have been other things LeBron has talked about right but most of the things that he's talked about have been things that he's been actively involved in so he talked about the Colin Kaepernick situation right but he was kneeling he was doing all of that stuff, right? And it was the biggest story in sports. Mm-hmm. In this situation, to, to compare why they're asking him about Kyrie to why they haven't asked him about Jerry Jones, correct? it's like Kyrie is an ex-teammate of LeBron's. Kyrie it plays in the same league as LeBron. It was, a, it was the top story in the NBA for at least a week, maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks. So there's no way not to ask him. In terms of this, I don't know too many football players that have actually been asked about this, if we're being honest, Mm -hmm. because the power dynamics in the NFL and the NBA in terms of the way the athletes speak, how they talk, and what they're allowed to express are different, which is why I'll say again, everyone owes a debt of gratitude to Colin Kaepernick, Nessa, and Eric Reed because they challenged, they challenged, okay, that status quo and that arrangement, if you will, in the NFL, and they sought to upend it, and they got nothing back for it. I digress. But what I'm saying is, in this particular situation, I mean, I like that energy. I like that energy of calling that out. But the funniest part is, he asks why, 
And then he's <laughs> about to get a response and he goes, no, because he <laughs> didn't want to really have that conversation. What he wanted to discuss was the issue itself. Sometimes you got to take a charge. Sometimes you got to <laughs> flop a little bit. We needed a couple of free throws. And I and I like that. And by the way, LeBron also knows that he got to get back in the barbershop. There's a lot of people that didn't like the fact that he said what he said about Kyrie, that he was sort of as definitive about it as what he was. And so LeBron, he needs to get back in the barbershop a little bit. And he just, he, he, that, that was kind of like looking at some of the people, that's like a little dap. So mm. he's very savvy. He's been doing this for a long time. When I saw that last night, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. I was well played. Well played, LeBron. Well played, this motherfucker. Well played, <laughs> and he's right, and, and, and he's right. But that's not all that, that people talked about. Uh, you see Jay Williams in his conference. Jay Williams has a demand from Jerry Jones. Rachel, as a Cowboys fan who represents Jerry Jones here on the podcast, I want to see. No, that's Stephen A. Smith's about. job. He has nominated himself to <laughs> to be representative of uh, be a representative of Jerry Jones on behalf of all Black people. That is what that is right. what Stephen A. Smith has done. Um, now okay. he's trying to backtrack. Uh, so you asked me about Jay Williams, though. <laughs> right, <laughs> Don, Stephen A. Smith is interesting. Donnie, give me the audio. Your reaction to to all this? You mind if I just have a moment, Stephen A. Sure. I look into the camera. Sure. Um, I just want to <laughs> specifically Williams. ask Jerry Jones to denounce racism. I think it's very important with where we're at in this time in history right now. I didn't hear him do that with Colin Kaepernick. His silence was heard all over the country as related to George Floyd. And here was another opportunity where, frankly, Stephen A., I felt like his answer felt to me it was above approach, right? He was, he was above the matter. In the end, we will remember the, not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones, our friend. I think that's very important. And I say that because I don't condone the 14-year-old kid that, like, I agree with you. We're on the same page, 14-year-old kid, curiosity. But sometimes in life, there's good people and there's bad people. And what happened on his commentary when he was addressed about this, which he had multiple days to think about, the direct quote was, I don't know that I or anybody anticipated or had a background of knowing what was involved. It was more of a curious thing. Mm -hmm. Why is Jerry, why... Is Jerry Jones absolving the hundreds of people who were around him who had different intention? Why is he speaking for everybody's intention? When you could tell that maybe he, he was curious, but there were a lot of people there who weren't curious. There were a lot of people there who were racist. And that's okay to say. What was even more concerning for me is that When Kyrie Irving posts a pic of Hebrews to Negroes, we automatically come to the table by saying, you need to denounce anti-Semitism. But Jerry Jones, he didn't denounce racism. Okay, so I like this too. I like this energy. There are a couple of differences here. Number one, Jerry Jones was asked about it and he said he wasn't there to be racist. He was just there to be curious. If it had been one thing, if Jerry Jones would have been like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not, whatever, whatever, whatever. I know who I am. 
it, whatever, whatever. Then it would have been option. So Kyrie did react a little poorly. But I, I like this. They should all denounce racism, right? Like we never yes. asked them to deny racism. It, it's, for me, I, look, we being messy and I love it. <laughs> this is what we got to do. And I'm I'll be, it's so not, glad they let Jay Williams come on and talk about it. Because that, yeah. in my opinion, and we talked about this last week, they were letting Stephen A. Smith run with the narrative. I mean, he went on the other day talking about, I know people in black media have had some things to say about me. And then he directed everybody to go to his No Mercy podcast to listen to what he had to say. And he said it was black on black. And, and, and he was going to address us. I didn't go listen. I don't have time for that. So I, but I appreciate them having Jay come on to change the narrative because he was saying what Stephen A. Smith should have said. And I think that's why Stephen A. Smith was very quiet in it. And he kind of tried to backtrack of like, yeah, 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 that's what I was saying. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not what you said. You said you were very fond of him and you were pissed off that that photo was used. And Jay Williams goes on to say in that clip or just his, that overall segment, that you're not getting the bigger picture of it all. And that's what we talked about. It's not just about the photo. You didn't read the article because it was bigger than that. The photo was just used to explain other actions of Jerry Jones. So I, I am for everything Jay Williams said. And I'm so glad now on Twitter, they're saying the doors are going to be locked on Jay Williams tomorrow when he tries to enter the first six studio. Nah, he'll be there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Jay, <laughs> he'll be there. It, like, Jay, Jay will be there. Jay won't step away from a kufi. I'm going to get, Jay is my man. I'm going to send Jay a kufi for Christmas because Jay didn't, <laughs> they didn't radicalize Jay. We I should love have it. him come on. We should, we should well, have I him come for on. Him. Like, I, I, I asked for him. Jay is my man. They didn't radicalize Jay. I will say this. So the reason why I think, I don't want to piss anybody off, but I have to say it. So, I think that I need to hear Jerry Jones denounce racism, and I'll tell you why. If Jerry Jones is, in fact, a racist, and he's not doing a fantastic job of convincing the world that he's not, he has a direct effect on hundreds of black people. Mm -hmm. Not just the players on his team. And this is kind of the difference, right? So a player like Kyrie Irving, a guy like Kyrie Irving has a tremendous influence to normalize uh, misinformation, bad things, anti-Semitism, all of that. So we have to make sure that people that that have that particular type of influence have the right information to go off of and are aware of what their words mean. That's absolutely true. That's very true, and we are reminded of that when it comes to black athletes, entertainers, singers, and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about racism and inequality as it exists for us, it's rarely an influence. It's very structural, right? It's very structural. It's not that your favorite singer is a racist. It's not that your favorite comedian is a racist. It's that your boss is a racist. Sure. It's that your principal is a racist. It's that the police are racist. It's that black women go to the doctor and have a, a to, to deliver babies 12 times higher to die. It's that the, the medical system is racist. Mm-hmm. It's a systemic thing sure. that puts up barriers around your life. And so for a guy like Jerry Jones, it's insanely important to know whether or not he is a racist because he is going to directly speak to the earning potential, 
policies made. Right. And all kinds of other stuff that affect black athletes and thereby black families. So what Jay is saying, and I love the fact that we, when I say we being messy, I mean, we like, we're not taking this shit. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. It's up. Whatever happens, we with it. So I, I get that that's the energy right now. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's exactly the same situation, but what I'm saying is he's right. Yes, he is. He's right, right because of the ability to cause harm that somebody who owns the team and is the strongest, most powerful owner in the league can have. I'll tell you something else about Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith was talking about these owners on the show, and he said, uh, he said, Bob McNair, God rest his soul. I don't know if you guys know who Bob McNair is, but Bob McNair is the owner of the Houston Texans that during the Kaepernick thing said that we can't have the prisoners uh, or running the, we can't have the inmates running the prison. <laughs> it's Stephen not a., funny. You gotta, it's not funny. Steve, Stephen A. got to chill, man. He said that on he his podcast? Chill. No, he said it on first take. Oh, he said it on first take. I was watching this morning. Stephen A. got chill. Roland Martin was fantastic on first take, by the way. Hey, Donnie, we got to book Roland Martin. Got to have the OG up here. Um, Donnie, just run the audio. Said he loved Hitler. They gave him an award. I'm just saying, I don't like Nazis, and I don't like what some of the mafias are doing either. I like Hitler. Donnie, run, run some more. I've said it. The most Nazi-like activities I've seen, um, and, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shook people down to a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Okay. Donnie, give me another one. Well, that's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I, I, see, I, I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew, I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love, um, you know, us, and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts, and you can love what we're, you know, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician, you can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table. Keep it going, Donnie. No, I get you're, you're explaining that, like you said, you love the Zionists. You don't agree with some of the things they're doing, even though you don't support a lot of what's happening. Seriously, I've, I've really studied a lot of history. Plus, I had family that was there. And so, I mean, I, I don't think Hitler was a good guy. I get the uh, the Hugo Boss uniforms, amazing. Uh, but, I mean, just because you're in love with the design, you're a designer, can we just kind of say, like, you like the, the you like the uniforms, but that's about no, it. No, we, we, no, I, there, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. Hey, uh, Netan, what did you think about that, Netan? This is insane. You are an insane person. How could you say something? It's okay that... So let me ask you, you like the Azog Battalion because they openly howl Hitler. They're the leftovers of World War II. They support Zelensky and attacking Russia. So you like the Azog Battalion. I love everyone. Well, my point is you are... Okay. If you guys didn't know, that is uh, Kanye West. He was on InfoWars um, with Alex Jones and the rest of the deplatformed deplorables. 
and he got into his Nazi back. First of all, to everyone that thought that I would get on this podcast and make up anything that I heard at TMZ four years ago, go fuck yourself. People came at you about that? A lot of people were like, Van, that's not true. Go fuck yourself. Huh. All right. They took it out. Didn't feel like it was my place to get mad for somebody else's community. Um, Even though at that particular point, maybe I should have reacted differently. There's a lot going on in my life right there. I'm not a perfect person. But the reality of it is, called them on that too. They took it out. I didn't talk about it. It is what it is. But go fuck yourself. I wouldn't make anything like that up. Um, Number two, and this is the only thing I'll say about this. This isn't about Kanye anymore. It's not. Not to me. This is what it's about. Kanye West is a blessing. Ye West is a blessing. It's a blessing. Okay. So I get a lot of feedback from a lot of people. And the feedback that I get actually got a really beautiful message. I'll read it. Um, I'll read it right here. Because I think that it was actually, it actually came from a good place. I'm not going to call out the person that sent this, but I think this message came from a good place. It says, appreciate your perspective, fam, and I truly am a fan. I am not, nor would I ever consider myself to be a yay fan, primarily because of his behavior. That being said, mental illness is an underreported aspect of his downfall. I have a close family member who I have seen devolve over the course of the last five years due to schizophrenic behavior. I say behavior because he refuses to seek help and believes the whole thing is a conspiracy. I request that you invite a psychologist or a psychiatrist to your podcast to discuss the impacts of these illnesses on the brain and thought processes. Peace. I thought that that was a very well put message. And at least for me, a part of this narrative and a part of this entire uh, sort of saga that we haven't talked about enough which is the fact that Kanye West is unwell. Whatever. Kanye West is unwell. He's going to say whatever he wants to say. It's harmful. It's dangerous. The rhetoric is normalized into some of the worst forces that the earth has ever seen. It is what it is. It's not about him anymore. The reason why Kanye West is a blessing, yay West or whatever is a blessing, because he's helping me decide who the fuck I don't want to be around no more. Okay. Keep going. What do you mean? He's helping me weed out people that are doing backflips to excuse Mm -hmm. and explain things that are fucking nuts. When I say nuts, I mean, he's not playing chess. He's not playing checkers. Mm Mm-hmm. What he should be, he's not playing chess. He's not playing checkers. He's not playing anything because it's not a fucking game. All right, when you're talking about Hitler, when you're talking about the Nazis, when you're talking about the final solution, when you're talking about the brand of racial identity, right, that arose from Nazism, Nazis aren't dead. They're not dead. All of that stuff mutated 
and sort of gestated there in Germany and went on to still be a force in the world. And it's something that people still deal with. It's about violence. It's about intimidation. It's about the inherent eugenic belief that someone is better than you. It is something that started here, went there, and is now the world over recognized by symbols, be it an eye across, be it a boot, be it a pair of boots, be it a shaved head for the neo-Nazis, be it whatever it is. So I'm telling you is this, if you can't, if you can't fix your mouth to say that that is wrong, that Nazism is wrong, that Hitler is wrong, if you're that fu- if you're that deep to where you want to find a way to excuse that, there's nothing to talk about with me. And I'm glad, I am happy that I am able to analyze and see people with that amount of inconsistent logical ability, with that amount of bullshit lurking and murking around in their blood, there's absolutely zero reason to praise Hitler. None. Nothing. I don't give a fuck about none of it. There's not one reason to praise Hitler. There's not one reason to excuse Hitler. He's not one reason to love Hitler. No. Are you... Are these personal friends like that you know? Because I guess like, when you say that it's a blessing because it's really helping you see people for who they they are, are these personal friends of yours? Because I guess... Let me, let, go ahead. Finish your thought, Rachel. I'm well, sorry. no, I was just going to say because publicly I'm not... I, I, I don't really see a whole lot of support or people excusing him or the point where I'm like, they're helping me know who they are. I'm not seeing it. So that's why I'm asking you, is this personal for you? So I think it's a good time to get into this because it's a, it's a narrative that, that, that um, it's a narrative that we deal with a lot on the podcast with the fact that I know and I'm around people that people would consider to be problematic. Um, I want to give this a little oxygen right now. Okay. In a, in a real serious way, as honest as I can be, it's difficult for me to divorce myself from people who I think don't have some of the information that they need. All right. And there are many reasons for that. One reason is, and I'm not leaning on this as a crutch. One reason in a real way is the relationship I had with my father. Mm-hmm. My father was, a, um, a smart man, a very, like a savvy man Mm -hmm. like he could read people very easily but he was incurious like the things that he knew were the things that he knew and he had a very uh a very firm grasp on what he thought was real and what he what he thought didn't make any sense i on the other hand it's the definition of curiosity and a lot of times i would see in real time like his mind sort of considering something mm-hmm. or I mean it wouldn't even have to be about anything serious like mm-hmm. my dad would tell me that some kid that he knew or some guy that he went to college with or some dude that grew up in Baton Rouge was the best basketball player of all time right and he would mm-hmm. tell me all of these things and he'd be very serious in a real way he's like this because in my father's eyes his world was what he was able to see and touch sure. and the best guy he ever saw was this dude 
And I remember watching a game with my dad when I could really understand the NBA and describing in the game everything that Michael Jordan was doing. Like offensively, defensively, the sets they were running, the triangle offense. And I watched my father realize that basketball is a more complicated game than he thought it was. Mm -hmm. That it's not just guys in shorts chucking up the ball. He understood all of that stuff about baseball. He knew what he knew. And I have relatives like this. People that, for whatever reason, think that their part of the world, be it Maryland, Louisiana, be it Baton Rouge, that everything that they needed to know was encompassed in that. And because I went out and sought other things, I was constantly being somebody that was being like, no, this is how it is. So, or this is what I think it is. I'm not saying that all of these people were too smart to make up their own, too dumb to make up their own minds. I'm saying that like different perspectives would come. And my sister was this same way. Like, we were a different generation of kids. But all of these people, I knew them. And I knew that they were decent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were, uh, they're just not bad. They're, they're, they're decent. And some of them, you got to push them all the time. Like the ITT story I tell, that's a real thing. Like you'd see the light bulb come on with some people when, they, when, they, when their world can be expanded. Um, and so for me, being really from South Baton Rouge, Louisiana, just the people that were around me, they just weren't perfect. But they leaned on me to like almost I was like almost like a newspaper for some of these people in mm-hmm. a way. Oh, Van know about that. Van, tell him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and so I, I I'm in a different space now and I'm in a different phase now in my life, obviously, and I don't have and I'm not I'm not important enough to be able to have to go around and have to change everybody's perspective. But a lot of times when I see people and they have bad ideas, I don't necessarily think that they're bad people. I don't necessarily think that they're unredeemable people or people that I don't even want to be around. Because sometimes yeah, I see other parts of them that are incredibly valuable. But I will agree that at a certain point for my own health and for my and for the life that I've carved out and want to live for myself, that there are lines that have to be drawn. And if you're asking me, do I know people personally who have today tried to make this make sense? The answer is yes. Can I ask you another question? Sure. When and I am not trying to find reason in what these people are doing, but when there's yeah. when they're trying to make sense of it, similar to the the DM that you read. Is it that people, because I don't think that this is okay to do anymore. I think there was a time when you said, and we did it on the podcast, Kanye West is suffering from mental illness. I think that we have gone way beyond that point. Not saying that he doesn't, there might be not, mental illness might not be an issue, but we're beyond that point at this. When the people are making excuses, is it based on mental health? And that's what we're writing it off as. So I'll tell you a little bit of what I heard today. Obviously, there were some people that talked about how unwell Kanye is. Sure. And we know that he's unwell. At this point, the only people that will platform Kanye are people who are already, you know, I don't know what Tim Pool and them were doing. I'm not as familiar with him, but I didn't know he was kind of on that. But the people that will platform Kanye now are the people who the Alex Joneses uh, and the people who are looking for this type of energy. I say that to say this. Some of the people were telling me about is it that much different to praise Hitler as it is to praise Washington or to praise Jefferson or to praise uh, any of the other bloated 
slave owning, you know, criminals um, that started America. Right. Isn't it any different to to praise them than it is to Kanye West? You know what the answer is? Not really. I, I concede that point. I put it in the post on Instagram. Thomas Jefferson was uh, a man who raped a black woman for a long time. Whenever you have sex with a slave, it's rape to me. It's rape. He raped. He allowed his children to live in slavery. George Washington was one of the most brutal slavers that we've ever seen. These men did not respect the life of black people. They looked at us as cattle. All the eugenics, all of that stuff that is inside the DNA of American society because it was inside the DNA of the founders. That's all true. Who the fuck is erecting statues for Thomas Jefferson and George Washington? We've been litigating the history of the country and how we should approach it for years now. So I don't know if a motherfucker ever saw me on President's Day say, yo, shout out Big George. Yo, CJ, what's up? I don't know if people have ever seen me do that, but to go to the links to try to dig into Adolf Hitler and find something to extrapolate mm-hmm. out of the musings of a madman to try to see if we can somehow rescue Hitler from the history that he absolutely wanted. Hitler is remembered exactly the way he wanted to be remembered. Precisely the way he wanted to be remembered. Right? Yeah. That that we now have to rescue Hitler from history because Kanye West is doing it. You niggas are dick riders. You niggas are stupid. And I'm done with it. I don't want to have a conversation about it. I don't want to try to intellectually like have have that situation. I don't want to do that at all. What I want to do now is draw a line in my life mm-hmm. between the serious and the unserious. And I'm actually happy that I get the opportunity to do that. Mm. Well, said. I was going to play the dick riding thing, but then I, oh. I hesitated. I was, like, I, was like, why was your sound? <laughs> I was like, why is his sound on? I thought you were about to say something. Are you guys on the other side of this? We're going to be talking to the writer and creator of two different shows that are fantastic that you need to be watching right now. Sherman Showcase and Southside Diallo Riddle, one half of Diallo and Bashir, the writing team, is going to be on Higher Learning to tell you why the most underrated comedy in the world right now is super duper black. We're going to talk about another side of this break. Oh, oh! Did you see him pop his collar before you came on? Oh, Diallo, <laughs> don't do us like that. Turn your mic on. Diallo, don't do us like that. <laughs> Diallo came in here ready to go. <laughs> no, I feel bad, man. I actually feel bad because uh, I'm in my office. Which I feel like when I go from home, it's so much more interesting looking. I didn't realize I've, I haven't ever hung up art in this uh, Warner Brothers office. This is embarrassing. Flex on us again. That's two flexes. That's- <laughs> Donnie, let this run. Donnie, let this run. Flex on us well. again. That's two Call flexes. It as well. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, I'll take got- a comic book to the wall. Or right. That's you embarrassing. Guys- that's three flexes. <laughs> did you write that comic, Diallo? Not at all. Uh, no, I did not. Okay. You guys, we have... All right, listen. I say <sighs> this all the time, but look. We have somebody really special on the show. I'm, I'm Mini story. Mini story. I first get to LA, and I see this sketch with these two guys, and they're talking about 
this movie, right? And it's like funny as fuck, but it's funny in the way that I laugh. It's like uh, it's it's got all the inside cultural jokes that are completely uh, accurate and relevant, but it's also got this sort of highbrow sensibility to it, to where a cinema a, a, a cinema file would 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 know it, right? And these two guys are doing this, and they have this sketch comedy group, and so I like actually send this guy a message. Like I sent him a message on Facebook. I'm like, "Yo, man, this is so dope." It's like I'm, I just got out here, and the motherfucker wrote me back because <laughs> he was that, mad easy to get at. <laughs> the, 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 the motherfucker wrote me back. That guy is Diallo Riddle, who is an amazing writer, actor, producer, performer, who just done so much stuff. Start. I remember some years after that, you and Bashir, your writing partner. First of all, uh, appreciate you joining us on Higher Learning today. You guys were on Jimmy Fallon, and then now you have two shows that are two of the best shows on television: Sherman Showcase and Southside. Diallo Riddle joins us today on Higher Learning. My brother, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm. I'm. I'm so. You know, I think of you now in so different a way than like, you know, like to me, like you're now, you know, just this dude who's done so much, but it, it did occur to me. I, I've never, I, I don't think of you as that guy who wrote in because you like the message anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's just like when a friendship is really old and you forget, Oh, that's how we came into existence <laughs> as friends. Like, it's just, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, and I'm honored, Rachel. I don't think we've ever met before, but I'm honored. You know, we haven't. Yeah, we have it. You'll you'll remember how we met. You'll remember this woman. I was so afraid when Van was telling that story that you were gonna say you didn't. You don't remember that. <laughs> you didn't know who that was. I was like, oh god, no, this man's no, so I know excited. That story. Well, because you know what, we put a lot of effort and heart into those. Uh, it was it was a joint venture between HBO back when they were in the same family as AOL. I think it was all Time Warner back then. Um, and you know, we were used. Bashir and I were used to doing sketch comedy for like. $50 a night that we would split and we would usually eat that profit by buying like, you know, wigs and makeup, you know. <laughs> so when we first got that thing, our budget, I will never forget, our budget was $1,500 a week, which might as well have been a nine-figure deal from Netflix for us at the time because we were like, we're loaded, we're rich for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and we took all that money and we, we still spent it. We, we wanted to make sure that our sketch comedy was in the vein of like, Chappelle show and uh I don't think Kim Peel was on the air yet. You gotta remember it's like two thousand seven, yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah. So like we were just, you know, we were so happy to have anybody pay, you know, the little bit of money that we could use on costumes and cast and stuff that we were we were just thrilled. And I look back at those videos now, like we had Robin Beatty. Yeah. We had uh we had so many people going on to just do way more. I remember our first sketch group at the time, it was me, Bashir, Robin Thede, Wyatt Sinek. Uh, Nefertari Spencer, who's on both of our TV shows uh, nowadays, and like we just, you know, we was we was just hungry, you know, we was just them young dudes fresh out of college, just ready to, you know, pull out the old Canon 5D, you know, cam because you didn't have phones that had, you know, 4K on them back then. So yeah, right. we, that, that was us. That was us. Can you talk about how the two of you met? Because was it was it a choir? Was it an acapella group? You and Bashir. Sorry, you and so, Bashir. Okay, so I, I think I, I think I know where this is going. Um, we met, so we were both members of Kaumba, which was the Black Gospel Choir at Harvard. 
And whenever you're at a white school and the black kids get together, you inevitably choose a African sounding name for whatever group you form. It doesn't matter what you guys do. <laughs> but we were like, okay. We're we the Timbuktu this- steppers. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody could join. You didn't have to be Christian. You didn't even have to be able to really sing. We had like 50 members. It was big. But Bashir and I, you know, we figured out pretty quickly that we had the same sense of humor. And that's when we formed an offshoot that was going to sing secular music like Jodeci, Shy, Silk type, you know, songs. And that mm-hmm. was called Brothers because uh, we're really inventive. And I hope nobody would <laughs> 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 like, man, these, these are really hacky with what they got. We were called Brothers. And if you had a coffee shop in Boston, we would show up and we would sing to the people drinking coffee. You know, we would sing like, you know, Usher Raymond, you know, these are my confessions type songs. And, and that's, what, that's what we did. <laughs> Bedtime music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Secular um, music. That was what we called it. <laughs> so you and Bashir have been working together for so long. And I'm seeing you guys are both like on top of the industry right now. I'm seeing Bashir pop up. Everywhere. Oh, that's news to me, bro. <laughs> he always does this. Y'all, he, 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 he always does this. I have watched, literally watched the world discover both Southside and Sherman Showcase. I've watched it. In well, real we need life. to go intergalactic because we need a few more worlds to discover both shows. <laughs> we need a few more worlds. <laughs> so let me ask you this though: like, I, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would, when, when I would see people it. talk about the show, I would mm-hmm. send you, "Hey, bro." Like, especially during the pandemic, people were watching it. They were talking yeah. about how funny, specifically Southside was. Um, season three, the 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 premiere of Southside is on HBO Max, premieres on December 8th. I would show you this. Do you feel like the world has actually really discovered the show yet? No. You don't? No, okay. I don't. I, I Listen, I think that we're like, right now, I would say both shows to a certain extent, maybe Sherman Showcase even more than Southside, are still like freaks and geeks. You know, it's this this term that we use in the business when a show, like anybody who's seen it, and especially people in the industry see the show, they're like, this is brilliant. This is phenomenal. You get great write-ups in the New York Times, uh, the damn New Yorker, LA Times, Washington Post. Everybody loves your show. And, but when you talk to the network, they're like, well, we're still hoping to get a couple of more viewers engaged. You know, like that's, that's, I still feel like we're like that underground hit. That's that thing that like, it's like when people go back and talk about 90s hip hop and suddenly everybody knows about A Tribe Called Quest. But when you were there, like only people who were into hip hop were really into A Tribe Called Quest. A lot of your white friends, you know, they were stumped, you know, when you would bring up Tribe, (laughs) they knew about Snoop and Dre and eventually about Biggie. But like, you know, they weren't all checking for Jungle Brothers. I feel like our show is like the native tongues. Uh, I feel like both of our shows are like the native tongues of, of TV because I feel like people who watch them like them. Um, but, you know, we're not in a place like, okay, Sherman Showcase, we're on IFC. To be on IFC, even just 10 years ago, was to be in the same category as Portlandia and uh, the early seasons of documentary now. And I feel like, you know, to be on IFC today, like, I feel like, I feel ridiculous when I get on Instagram and I'm like, hey, y'all, check out Sherman Showcase. It comes on. 1030 in New York, but it's actually 730 in Los Angeles, and it might be at 930 in Chicago. So just figure out when you can watch it. But right. when you do watch it, go to that certain TV that's on your wall. You can't pull it up on your phone. That's impossible. What are you talking about? It's not the future yet. Like, I just feel like we've had to we've had to really sort of like deal with being on linear cable at a time when most people, and myself included, we've cut a lot of cords. And so 
we have to sort of wait until these things start streaming on Hulu. But by then, the linear cable people have sort of like moved on to whatever they're back. They're on to interview with a vampire, you know, um, <laughs> as if the Anne Rice estate needs more money. <laughs> like, right. it's just an interesting time to be in TV. I have kids now and they spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos. And if you have kids who watch YouTube videos, you realize that these are people who literally are watching other people react to something they saw on YouTube. And I'm just like, can you kids watch something with a script? Like, can you guys please watch something? Because we're just in a world now where like, you know, it's, it's just an interesting time to be in TV. I think that's what Sherman Showcase is dealing with. HBO Max, a lot more people know how to find that, download that, get that. So I feel like Southside does have a larger audience. And also, let's just be honest, Southside, uh, as opposed to Sherman's, which is a lot more like our HBO, you know, show that originally yeah, sure. brought you into the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, HBO Max and Southside, we're doing a show with characters. Uh, they are in a neighborhood and an environment that I, pe- I think that people understand. And, it, and I think that we go out of our way to be authentic about that. So I do think Southside has a few more viewers, but I, do, I know for a fact that we would always, I, anytime people tell me that they love Southside, I'm always like, great tell five more people because quite honestly we can always use more people watching either show i know that was long-winded no, but it's you real. just have to catch me you know we're at a time when i just finished podcast. talking to some network people and i'm just like you know all we can do is do the best show that we can do after that it's sort of more on y'all to like inform people and let people know that these shows exist hmm. that's what i want to i want to piggyback on that because i was going to ask you like it's two-part because i want you to talk about since since um Southside is about to come out yeah. december 8th Tell us a little bit about what we can expect on uh, the new season. Oh, man. But yeah. talking to, but 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 I also want to say with talking to networks and networks saying, you know, like, oh, can you get a few more people engaged? Do you ever feel pressure? I don't want you to get in trouble, but do you feel any <laughs> kind of pressure that they try to make you do something different that's not what you originally want, want or wanted for Southside? Do you feel any pressure that they want to change you to make you get more in? No, um, on Southside, I will say. We've never felt pressure to make it a show. They've never been like, hey, how about some, you know, hot young 18 to 34 year olds to, you know, turn up the heat on the show. You know, like we've never had to deal with that at all. We've always done exactly the show that we wanted to do. In fact, you see it from the very first frame of Southside. We were never told, oh, you have to go out to these Hollywood actors to draw in viewers. And then after that, you can populate the show with whoever you want. No, literally, there's a reason why the show stars two guys who you've never seen star in anything else. This is literally Bashir's brother and his one of his friends from childhood. And they are super talented. You know, they, they, they can star on other shows. But, oh, they are hysterical. But we were never told, oh, go out to these three or four Hollywood-approved actors. We think part of the appeal of Southside is the fact that you have people who are from the Southside, who you've never seen do anything really outside of this show. And I think that that's what makes it special because it's a show that, you know, uses real people from the South side. And they might be the funniest people that, you know, just from the hood, just from people that we knew growing up, but like they're funny people. And we were like, let's turn the camera on them. You know, Mm. like if you talk to a lot of comedians and you ask them, who's the funniest person, you know, a lot of times they won't mention another standup or some comedy act, some comedy writer who they know. They'll be like, you know, it's my dude who's a mechanic back home in you know lansing yeah. michigan you know what i mean like we went out of our way to go to the actual south side chicago and find chicago based and, and specifically south side chicago based actors and actresses and give them the chance to shine because there's a certain cadence that comes out of chicago that we wanted to throw a spotlight on 
So I want to ask you about one scene in particular that yes, sir. I knew was going to go viral when people started watching the show. Uh-oh, here we go. I think I know what you're going to bring up. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> so there's a scene where, from a hysterical episode, mm. where there's an older lady who was an it. activist back in the day. Yep. <laughs> Rachel, have you seen this? No. Oh, my God. This lady, she's an activist back in the day. There's a character on the show, the lady Dorothy cop. Brown. Her name is Dorothy, Dorothy Brown on the show. Dorothy yeah. Brown. Dor- yeah. <laughs> That's and the she's... character name. That's the character name. And um, and you know, she wants to buy her building, but she doesn't want to put her out anyway. They get into an argument. And this older lady starts going in on Coretta Scott King. I remember when I first watched it, she was like, and it was, the things that she was saying had nothing to do with anything. She was like, Coretta Scott King didn't have a good sense. Wasn't of you. funny. No, she said she was not funny. <laughs> she said she wasn't funny. She's like, yeah. and I tell you right now, the bitch wasn't funny. I'm like, oh my god. When that scene hit Twitter, when that scene hit Twitter, I remember smiling. I'm like, I knew it. Like, and I, I remember somebody put, "Nah, man, what is this?" And I'm like, I sent it to you. I was like, this is Southside, and this is it's not just that type of thing it's trying to sell popcorn outside the movies it's like yeah. it's, it's it's all of the things in the show that make the show super relatable but i'm telling you guys it is the funniest fucking thing going right now so let, let, let's talk about that scene in the mission statement of Southside in general i always say you can't really control who you are who your audience is but you can write towards a particular audience Okay. And I will say that Southside, uh, probably more than any show that I've ever written for, we really do come at it with the point of view. And I know that we have so many uh, non-Black viewers of Southside, but we really do write it like, what's some stuff that would make your Black family laugh at the dinner table mm. that you may not even want non-Black people laughing at? You know, I remember when we were writing that scene, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Like, <laughs> to say, you know, that's the MLK's hometown. Right. I should also say I'm, I'm the only writer on the show who's not from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else is. And that's why I think it comes across as so authentic. But uh, when that show, when that when that joke got pitched, I remember there was a big debate in the writer's room of like, is this OK? <laughs> because we know that, <laughs> you know, literally neo-Nazis can take that one line that she said and loop it over and over and over. And are we okay giving this to the world when we know that not everybody writing this is, not everybody reading, not everybody watching this show is gonna be black. And we had a long debate about it. And Bashir and I actually had a sidebar that got a little bit heated because again, I'm from Atlanta. I don't like to do anything that's gonna cast aspersions. But at the end of the day, you know, we both decided, you know, well, look, nobody ever said that Coretta Scott King had to be the funniest person. Right. That's you know the what thing. I mean? Like, that's the thing, right? So, and by the way, Dorothy Brown is supposed to be a very caustic and bitter, you know, right. woman who feels like history passed her by. So we were like, would the character say this? Yeah. Would her character say, yes. Because the same way that like, I would never murder somebody in real life, but I might have a character who kills somebody on a TV show. So mm-hmm. that was what we ran with. And what was funny to me was that when that episode first came out, it didn't create a whole lot of buzz. I think sadly, because... Again, we never had the, the the level of viewership I think that the show deserves. But at some point, like you said, somebody on Twitter got out there 
and right. saw it and then posted it. And then I'm getting all the people who I forget what that what that sector of the of the universe is called, but basically um, they they, they kind of hate on anything <laughs> that oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that sort of and so like they 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 definitely came for me and not Bashir because Bashir is famously not on social media. They came after me <laughs> uh, and they were like, "You're terrible. You you're a terrible person. How can you say that about our kings and queens?" And I just think that look, man, I'm not even here to defend that line today. I think that at the end of the day. It's we nothing try to, to write something. It, 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 was yeah. his, it was the same thing like in Coming to America when the guy says that Martin Luther King Jr. punched him, him in the chest. Right? Yeah, like, it's, 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 there's, nothing, there's nothing to defend. Like, it's, it's, it's funny. We know that Martin Luther King Jr. didn't kick the man in the chest. We, Martin it's Luther funny. King Jr. was walking around Memphis kicking people in the chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, we, like we, there's nothing to defend. Diallo, I, there's nothing it's to defend. It's like Dorothy Brown is also a fictional character guys nobody ever said this in real <laughs> right. life so, right you know like we're not we're not here to um we're not here to make fun of our our icons and our and our, and our cherished leaders of the past i think if anything it's what made a room full of black people laugh and i think look it's always going to be dicey when you when you are doing humor that yeah you may not want to look out and see you know a bunch of people who aren't black who haven't been through what you've been through laughing at something but i also think there's yeah. a sort of universality of comedy like i always think i always go back to the seinfeld episode where everybody wanted the 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 loaf of marble rye uh-huh. and you know they end up chasing him and he's with the marble rye i i didn't grow up as in new york i didn't grow up as jewish but i got why that was funny because it was so culturally specific and i feel like that's the one thing that we do on south side we keep it very very culturally specific i'm reminded of another episode that i thought might get us in trouble and we were actually vindicated in real life where a dude dies a character dies and then at his funeral uh <laughs> he basically he's at the funeral standing up as if he's in the club yeah. You know, we did this episode, and then a couple of months after the episode came out, it happened in real it, life. It real this rapper, this rapper got shot, and <laughs> per his wishes, per his dying wishes, his funeral was in a club, and he was decked out. He had on the fresh Jordans and the chains, and it was just like our episode. They were like, oh, snap, Southside done predicting the future, you know? like, But right. no, it was because Bashir's mom in real life was handed a flyer for a funeral, but the funeral flyer looked like it was for a night at a nightclub. Right. And so we, you know, we had no idea what was going to happen with uh, with Dude in Real Life at that point when we wrote that episode and shot that episode. It's just that by paying attention to what makes our people laugh, what's happening in the culture, and just being a fly on the wall for our own community, well, we predicted some things that we could have never known were going to actually happen. I think that's why the show is enjoyable, because we basically have a room full of Black people trying to make each other laugh. And so the humor really does come from a from a from a pure place. Mm. Yeah, because like the world we live in now, yeah. you know, it's 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 scary. You know, you don't know if you're going to get canceled. You don't know if you're going to, you know, um, offend people. I, I, how do you protect that? Because I mean, we even on this this show, we have a lot of non-black listeners. But yeah. Van and I are v- very much still stay true to who we are. Like, how do you protect that to make that comedy? Like you said, everybody in the room is laughing, but then also know that people listening to yeah. it, maybe they shouldn't be laughing. Maybe they might take it the wrong way. Maybe they, how, how do you well, do that? I'll, I'll say two quick things on that. One is that um, I fundamentally believe that you kind of have to do what's true to you 
and what makes you laugh and just put it out there. Does that make sense? Like, I think you, I think if you spend any time self-censoring, if you spend any time sort of like worried about who might get their hands on a joke, yeah, you, you're not going to end up writing anything that's good. I think that we just, we, we write what we think is funny and then we just kind of put it out there. Um, and, and that's sort of like across the board. And I also, I'm sort of controversial when it comes to, I actually don't believe the cancel culture is a thing. I don't, I think it's a boogeyman. I agree. When people tell me who, you know, Oh, I, I actually asked my son. Cause you know, he's my, my oldest kid is on TikTok now. He's a, 13 years old and he came up to me and he was like, Hey dad, do you think this is funny? And it was like a black comedian, but the black comedian was making some jokes based on some really old stereotypes about like, you know, fried chicken, you know? And I was just like, Honestly, this isn't funny, Simon. And and before I had the chance to tell him why I didn't like it, he was like, "Oh, do you think this guy's going to get canceled?" Now this is coming out of a thirteen-year-old's mouth, right. and I was like, "Son, I was like, I have a problem with you walking around worried about who's getting canceled." I was like, "Tell me who you think has been canceled." He was like, "Dave Chappelle and the woman who wrote <laughs> Harry Potter books," and he was rolling off. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was rolling off. All these people who've been canceled, he's, he's Dave Chappelle, J.K. Rowling. I think he might have said Joe Rogan, which I didn't even know my kid knew who Joe Rogan was. I was like, son, you realize everybody you're naming is a bazillionaire. Famously like, wealthy. <laughs> super duper wealthy. I was like, I think that cancel culture is sort of a a, a, a boogeyman and a, and, a, and a tool of such that when people say things that like people, you know, say, hey, that's not cool. They immediately like sort of self-victimize and say, hey, you, are you going to cancel me now? Like, I just, I haven't seen anybody, if anything, I feel like people have like sort of built a, built a fan base by saying things that they think will get them canceled. So you know, in some ways, I feel like it's almost like a profit generator. And I think it would be very easy for me to like write something to get me canceled. And then, and I, I just don't know. I just, I think it's a bummer subject. So I'm, I'm going to move on from that. But I think to your to your larger point about like, do we self-censor? Do we? No, I think we write what we think is funny and then we just ride with it. Because honestly, I don't think that me and my writing partner are weirdos. I, I personally think if we write something that we think is funny and edgy and 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 just really just kind of humor that you haven't heard before, if we're laughing at it, I think there are other people out there who will laugh at it. And that's why I think that our, our humor does come from an often unsafe place because it's hard to laugh at something if you've heard it a million times before. That's why I didn't like the thing that, you know, my kid brought me. I was like, dude, these stereotypes have been around since the seventies. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, I want, I want, I want humor that I haven't already heard a million times. And that's why I think that we don't worry about that. We just worry about, is it funny to us? Is it something that we haven't seen before? Okay, then let's do it and let's have fun doing it. And so far it hasn't, it has not hurt us. Sell us on the show. It is plug, 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 plug time. Not sell us on the show. Tell people where they can watch it, how they can watch it. We have to make this season, the Southside, this season in Sherman so- Showcase, the biggest seasons ever. Man, I I always say that the shows are the biggest advocates for themselves. You know mm. what I'm saying? And and, and with, with Southside, especially, like if you've never seen it, just all you got to do is just get HBO Max. You probably already have it. Just watch the first episode. I guarantee you, you will stick around for both two, both seasons that are already up there. And season three is going to be joining it, going to be uh, joining those two seasons next week. I guarantee you, 
It is raw. It is hilarious. It is unexpected. I mean, like, without giving away any spoilers, we have an episode this season that I feel like is shot and sort of done in a very Christopher Nolan way because he did The Dark Knight in Chicago. And we were like, how can we do our own version of a Christopher Nolan episode of Southside? I think we accomplished that. Uh, we have Chance the Rapper back. We've got mm-hmm. local, you know, personalities from radio, like Leon Rogers is in an episode. We've got, um, I just feel like we, we've sort of gone out of our way to never give people the expected. I think that if you're looking for, you know, edgy sort of like, you know, humor that just doesn't stop delivering. I mean, we intentionally, when we edit these episodes, we always make sure that you can't get every joke upon the first viewing. Right. And I think that's why people, somebody told me last night that, he, that he's watched, uh, what episode do you say he watched? It might have been the day the Jordans dropped. We have an episode in season one where the cops are all gathered uh, at the police station. They're like, all right, nobody can go, you know, nobody can go on vacation time or go home early. Because as you know, today is that day that we all fear. It's the day that the new Jordans come out and we have to be doubly prepared everybody's gonna work a double shift tonight because you know chicago's gonna be crazy and that's i think episode four of season one like this dude told me online he's watched it you know twice a month every month since it came out (laughs) you know and and he says he always gets like new levels and stuff like we we've been compared to the office we've been compared to what's the other show they always compare us to but i don't think there's any show I don't. I don't think that we're like The Office. I, I think that yes, I don't think there's. You guys have. It's you strike a tone that's very unique. Yeah, it's I, very I just unique. Think, yeah, I can see why people call us a workplace comedy. But if you've seen more than three episodes of the show, you know that we'll go anywhere. You know, in in on the South Side of Chicago, and even outside this, we have a whole episode that takes place in Roscoe Village, which is not the South Side. You know, what I'm saying like we're the most Chicago show. I think because we treat the South Side of Chicago sort of like the way Springfield is treated on The Simpsons. It's a jump off point. And at some point, yeah, you'll see certain characters every episode, but they could be doing unexpected things. There's a whole episode this season where our characters make it out to the South Suburbs, which oh. if you know anything about Chicago, you know. That's how you get out of Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a totally different vibe. We have a whole episode. We have a whole episode about Chicago house music this season that I that I really love because I think that you know, and I was happy to see Beyonce come out with that house song. Like I, I, I would love for black people to, you know, sort of get back into house music. That that is dance music that we, you know, created at a at a club in Chicago called the Warehouse. That's why it's called house music. You know, like uh, I'd love to see us get more into dance because there's sort of an exuberance that you feel when music gets up to 120 BPMs. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Crazy. we we have a lot of fun with the show and I know that I'm being verbose, but I really want people to check out the show. So oh, it's Southside, it's on HBO Max and uh, please watch it. We will and watch Showcase. it. And Sherman Showcase. And Sherman Showcase. So here's where it's a little confusing. The first season of Sherman Showcase is on Hulu. Uh, there's a thing that says season two, but it's really just our, it's our Black History Month special, which I also think is a very amazing hour of tv it was sort of like an hour-long special that came out in 2020 but if you want to see the latest season two of sherman showcase download at amc plus <laughs> it migrates to hulu sometime top of next year but download amc plus and you can get a whole new season of sherman showcase it's a really good show I, it takes almost no time to download it um you can also get amc plus i think through amazon prime so if you have prime video look us up and you can download us there as well Diallo Riddle, 
one of the funniest men in the entire world. Thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning, man. We're gonna check back. We're gonna check back in with you because um, there's more stuff I want to talk to you about. Uh, I know, man. I feel like we've only scratched the surface. Oh, well, we've only scratched the surface. We're gonna bring you back, man. But look, I appreciate. Is, I'm sorry. Friendship. Is that a child of God hoodie you've got on, Rachel? It is. You mentioned Chance that's, that's the Rapper, Chance. and I was yeah. like, I just happened to be wearing Chance the Rapper. Got the art in the back. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big okay. Chance fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, um, Chance, is, Chance is on both shows. He's been, he's on Sherman Showcase this season, and he's back on Southside. For I think one of the, I'd be surprised. I'm, I'm going to put this out there. I think he should get the Emmy for Best Guest Star Appearance because his episode of Southside this season is insane. And I feel like that bro is going to get, if people watch the show, he's going to get a lot of props. Big time comedy, big funny. He crushed it. He killed it. Wow. And wow. I'm just putting that out there. Shout out to Chance. Speaking of two existence, Diallo, we will see you. Thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning, my brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, Rachel, I just want to really talk about real quick, white mess real quick. Well, not really white mess. It's kind of, it's kind of like interracial, interracial. Oh, <gasps> In a racial mess. All right, I don't want to do it. We have to do it. I know where I know where we're going. <laughs> I want to check out. I'm so, gonna tap out. Ashley's coming in. Dan, Donnie, jump on real quick. I'm here. What's up? So they fucking at Good Morning America. Apparently, they fucking. What's this guy's name? TJ. TJ Holmes. TJ Holmes. TJ John Holmes. Um. So it's like TJ Holmes and what's what's the white lady's name? She's blonde. Amy Robach. Amy Robach. 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 Amy Robach. He just couldn't help himself. He just couldn't help himself. He's right there. You know what I mean? It's in the morning. Craft service comes. They standing right next to the place. It's coffee. Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? I went to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, did you? Yeah. What do you like to do at Martha's Vineyard? I don't know. I like to go down there to the beach, lay on the sand. Sometimes let the sun tickle my body. He's like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah. You know, if I stay out there long enough, I get a little moist. He's like, oh, my God. He just Dr. Umar just out of his brain and they're going. I don't know if people know. Rachel's sinking down because she knows these people. I don't know them. I don't know what's going on. But this is the thing. And I don't know what's going on either. Amy, I don't know what I read. Amy and TJ apparently were spotted on a romantic vacation together somewhere. I didn't even see the pictures. I just saw everybody talking about my. Everyone was everybody. interested in what was going on between the thing. TJ, he looked like Barack Obama cousin, and <laughs> he do. He's got a very Obama esque thing, and it looked like to me he was in that vanilla bean he was the vanilla bean vanilla bean ice cream oh 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 donnie's got some audio for us go ahead good afternoon everybody welcome to what you need to know gma3 and it's friday eve (laughs) who's looking forward to the weekend uh me yeah yes of course of course we are welcome everybody gma3 (laughs) I bet you are looking forward to the weekend, you nasty motherfucker. You nasty motherfucker, your little fast ass. I bet you are looking forward to the weekend. God damn, Donnie, run that again. Uh, You can cut. 
Donnie, Donnie no. run it again. Donnie, run that shit again. You can cut the sexual tension with a used condom. Like, Donnie, like, put, put, like, <laughs> run that again. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to What You Need to Know, GMA3, and it's Friday Eve. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, oh. Me? Yeah. Yes, me. of course. Yes. Of course we are. Of course we are. GMA3, What You Need Welcome to Know. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, track. Did you hear how his voice got super aggressive when that body, he lost? <laughs> he the, always sounds like Welcome, that. everybody, <laughs> to my dick. Like, <laughs> welcome everybody to my beige scepter. Boy, I bet he was telling his boys because <laughs> I bet he was telling his boys. He's like, bro, hey, bro. I bet he was telling his boys. He's like, hey, bro, bro. I'm telling you, man. In that thing, dog. This weekend is going down. She come around here look crazy, bro. She look good. We do. I got my. I got me a little thing, a little thing, thing. Rachel, but these are your friends, right? I I am friendly with both. I am good friends with TJ. Yeah. All I will say is, is what's being reported is that they had separated from their spouses, and you know, this is what's being reported. They had separated from their spouses, and now that they're um, the then the pictures came out. So. so they separated from their spouses, and maybe okay. So they separated from their spouses. So they went on a little, a little nasty asses. They went on a little hot ass, little, little hot asses. They they hot together so i don't know anything about this i know they've been friends for years they have great on-camera chemistry i bet they, they have a do. successful show um i don't know any truth to what is being reported or not both of them leaking all over the set just slipping all let's over it. Let's wrap, just let's wrap like it leaking all over the set just slipping all over the set you can just see it Slip, slip, Look at slip. The joy you get from leak, it. Leak, you, leak. you love the peak mess segment. It's just you love. Peak it's mess. just funny. And now you've created a new one. Yeah, peak like li- now. Is, now this nigga about to he about to call he about to walk, dress totally different. And nigga go. I, I guarantee you. Now that this what is does out, that look like Van. Next week he gonna be in a hoodie. He gonna be straight up. He gonna have some Ciroc. And he, now he we know who you are, bro. We know. Shout out to him. Shout out to her, man. Live your life. See, y'all always try to y'all try to be prudes. They ain't being prude over at Good Morning America. Good morning, all right. Good morning after America. That's what they're doing. All right, you know, you Rachel, you know it's getting freaky over there. All right, tell Billy Bush to chill. So he's not a part of that show. <laughs> he's not a part of that show. Nah, he he looked freaky too though. All right, Mel back. <laughs> Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. The first one comes from Not a Real Person on Reddit. They ask, What is your dream retirement destination? Do you have one? Anguilla. I was just gonna say out of the cut, out yeah. of this country. Anguilla, somewhere out of this country. That's where it is. Anguilla, beautiful man. I need to be by water. Mm-hmm. It's peaceful at night. It's calming. Somewhere out of United States. So there's two. There's either Anguilla or big ass ranch in the middle of Louisiana, like John Dutton. You want to be in? Lu- okay, we haven't even talked about this. Yeah. 
During my flu days, mm-hmm. I started watching Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not caught up, mm-hmm. but I am already in season four. Yeah, your friend is a and fucking troublemaker. It. Okay, let's not talk about Laramie. She, she's okay? she's a fucking troublemaker. I don't want to hear it. Fucking troublemaker. Almost. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there the yet. But, I, yeah. but you know what? I have to do. I don't know if you watch the other shows, 1883 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I have to do 1923 tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tell you how I'm it is. It. I'm into it. All the white people that they is. want me to watch on the Yellowstone Network, I'll watch them. Um, I'd like to add something to the mailbag. Hold, please. This is a question specifically for you, Van. Uh huh. My cousin Tremaine listens to the show. Sweet. Every single episode nice and he has a specific question for you let's do it and i'm a terrible cousin because i can't find it and i'm good and i want to freestyle it but we know how that goes yeah it is i build up (laughs) the question has to do with thundercats okay and here it is from tremaine Mm -hmm. What would you like your Thundercats cast to be? Ooh. If you had to cast Ooh. someone for it, past or present, Ooh. what? who would you cast? Ooh, freaky. I love this question. Okay. I mean, it could be someone who's no longer with us when I say past or present. Nah, I'm not doing that. Okay. So, Panthro, right now, I would have played by Wesley Snipes. Okay. Yeah. Panthro, I'd have played by Wesley Snipes. Lion-O... Uh, for me right now would be the hardest to cast. Um, Chitara, I'd have already. Uh, I've thought about Chitara. So there's this girl. Her name is Mackenzie. Uh, Mackenzie. She's um. She's she was in she, fucking Mackenzie Phillips. Is her name? No, not Mackenzie Phillips. That's that's the What is she in? She's in uh the Martian. She's in um she's in the Martian. She's a tall lady. Mackenzie Davis. She's from Black Mirror. So I'd have her play Chitara. She's a tall lady. She's five foot ten. Um, I'd have her play Chitara. Uh Chitara. Uh Panthro would be Wesley Snipes. Lion O. Uh Kevin Hart could play um uh what's the little creature's name? I don't know Thundercats. Oh, yeah. I, uh, snarf. Uh, snarf. Snarf, Snarf, Snarf. Kevin Hart could play Snarf. Um, uh, who could play Lionel? Donnie, help me out with Lionel. Uh, so with Lionel, I'm going to go. Th- so this way, So let's just let's put parameters around this. Lionel, I'm going to go 32 years old, maybe younger, because if she's 35. So Lionel, I'm going to go a 30-year-old Lionel. Talking at Tall. Maybe it should be like a. It shouldn't be. It should be a new face. Maybe a new face for Lionel. I think so. This is a star mm. making role. It's a star making role, but we have to take somebody that's done some stuff though, right? Can't like. Lionel's got this red hair. Yeah, Lionel. But you know, um, it should be that one guy who plays Superman, Henry uh, Cavill. Cavill. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a that's a, like a terrible idea. Oh, so well, you can he's big. Yeah, he's okay. big, but that's well, not. Well, Ashley, I was gonna say carrot top. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know what? How about this? How about this? How about this? Because this is a great question. Let me chew on this for a second. 
because I got to think of Mumra too. Um, I got to think of everybody. I got somebody from Mumra that will kind of be good. Let me think about this. Let me chew on this. I want to hear the Reddits. Uh, no, I don't want to hear the Reddits. I, I do want to hear the Reddits. I want to hear everybody's thoughts. I don't want to hear everybody's thoughts because I don't want it to influence me. Don't tell me. I'm on a, on Monday's podcast. I'm going to give Tremaine my perfect and uh, and um, an amazing uh, Thundercats cast. Ashley, now that you've done that, now you have to come up with a Thundercats cast too. So, what about me? <laughs> you know what you need. To, you know who you need to cast. You need to cast Raja Binks. That's who you cast. <laughs> okay, Raja Binks has star potential. Yeah, and you, you cast, know I'm, and you know I'm you right. You cast Raja Binks. <laughs> me and Ashley. Because Ashley's got the right idea. She's like, Henry Cavill's already Superman, so we can't have him be lying, though. But she's got the right idea. You need somebody with the, that cut of the jib. like with What about Will jaw. Poulter? No, because he's Adam Warlock, and I don't think he works, but he actually kind of does work, to be honest with you. He kind of does work as Lionel. He actually fucking looks like Lionel. That's what I'm thinking. He's got a cat, cat face. He's got a cat face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think about like he, he, he does. It's the eyebrows. He kind of. Like, I'm not gonna lie. That's not Donnie. He got a cat face. He could be Lionel. <laughs> I remember Lionel to me. I like Lionel, but Lionel is not like the best part of the Thundercats to me. You know. And then we got to cast them all. We got to cast Wally Kid, Wally Cat, everybody. We can think about them. You know, whatever. Could Timothy Chalamet be Lionel? No, he's too small. Um. Okay, that's a great question. I'll come back with my full cast next next week. That's a great question. All right, uh, one more. Okay, uh, this is a company question, but it's not from a company person. Jen on Instagram asks, share, share, this is a statement. She demands, share your Spotify wrapped. Um, my Spotify wrapped was all sleep podcasts. No bullshit. It was all podcasts that help you go to sleep. Oh, that's nice. You know what I mean? Like Spotify has these great podcasts. Sleep time. Sleep time. Nappy time. Go to sleep. Sleepy to sleep, sleep, sleep. So when I looked at it, it was all dreamscapes, the wolf of sleep, all of that type of stuff like that. And then like my most played artist this week, this year on uh, Spotify was, uh, it was Drake. So you do like the album, the new album. It's not, it's just Drake got, it's not even that I like the album. It's that Drake has so many songs, it's not even fair. I didn't even, you know, I didn't listen to Honestly Nevermind. And I didn't listen to, I didn't listen to Honestly Nevermind, not really. And I haven't really even listened that much to the joint he just put out with 21 (laughs) Savage. And he still. That's what I'm asking. He still was my most played artist this year. Still. Mm. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Uh. Yo, thank you, thank you to Diallo for joining us today. You guys, please watch outside. Donnie, if you don't mind, if people just want to hear the audio of the, the the intro, no, not the intro, the audio of the uh, the Coretta Scott King scene, let's start in there for him. even even just audio. It's funny. Okay, I don't know if we can even Dorothy do that. Brown is such a fantastic name. It's a great song. Um, you could never be my favorite civil rights icon because it's Coretta Scott King. She is a genius. She's beloved. She is a queen. Fuck Coretta <laughs> Scott King. Now you may know where's King, but I just know where's Retta. I always thought she was so funny. 
What a bitch never made me laugh. Say more. One more motherfucking thing about Coretta Scott King. I will bust in broad daylight, bitch. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right. Um, take the team caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys.